Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim GK, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of the Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of the Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. Today, I have the pleasure of having Regina McRae. She is, she has a bakery in New York City. That's right, New York City? New York, mm-hmm. Okay. And we're going to talk about her uh, business and we're going to talk about her book. Uh, so we're going to talk cake for the next uh, 30 minutes or so. If you want to chime in the conversation, please call at 347-324-3460. Uh, or you can pose your question in the chat room or you can email us at info at com. Well, Regina, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I Thank guess to begin, to begin with, tell us about yourself. Where are you from? And kind of segue into how you got started. Um, I'm from Brooklyn, born and raised. Uh, my grandmother was from Bishopville, South Carolina. Loved oh, wow. to cook, loved to bake. And when I would visit her, I was such a precocious, hyperactive child. The only way to keep me still was to keep me busy. And so she'd have me assist her in her baking. And um, this way I would sit still for a minute and not drive her crazy. So she would have me peel the peaches and core them so she could make a peach cobbler, uh, break open the coconut with a hammer and grate the coconut for her coconut layer cake, um, put pie dough in the dry cleaner bag and roll out the pie crust. Some real old-fashioned methods using an egg beater to whip eggs or heavy cream. <laughs> so I learned the real old-fashioned way of baking. I didn't realize she was planting the seeds of a passion. Uh, but from the time I was eight, I was in love with making cakes and pies. When my parents would go out, and I was the oldest child, and I would babysit, uh, by the time they came home, I had baked a cake. I couldn't wait for my mom to leave the house so I could put a cake in the oven. By the time I was 10, I was making wedding cakes. Um, No one was getting married. I just liked stacking and tearing cakes. Mm -hmm. And so I did this for as long as I could remember, and I was always uh, cognizant of someone's birthday because it was an excuse to bake. There you go. Yeah. Family, friends, everyone loved what I did, but strangers had never tasted my products. And uh, I had run my first New York City marathon back in um, 94. It was the 25th anniversary, and the Roadrunners Club gave a uh, Christmas party for the runners, and each of us had to bring a dessert. And I bought sweet potato pies, and for the first time in my life, strangers, complete strangers, got a chance to taste my products, and they lost their minds. So my company was born in the basement of the New York Roadrunners Club, Christmas of 1994. I walked out of there. People had put money in my hands and asked me to please bring them a pie the next time I came to run. And I kept saying, no, keep your money. You know, I don't do this professionally. I just love to (laughs) be paid for this. And so I would bring pies back, and then people would stop me in Central Park and say, I heard about your pies. Oh, my God, here's $10. When are you going to run again? 
And so my first group of customers were runners who could afford to eat mm-hmm. all the pie they wanted. And um, then they would say to me, you know, as delicious as your pies, or I know you know how to make more than just this. What else do you make? I love sweets. Oh, I can make this. this. Next thing you know, I had a flyer. And I had listed the coconut layer cake and the German chocolate cake and the carrot cake and the blueberry pie and the apple pie, still not realizing I was in business. Mm-hmm. And as more and more people ordered, uh, I would bring pies to work so that after work, to do my evening run, I was taking all of these pies and cakes to the Roadrunners Club, give everyone their stuff, and then I'd go run. Um, and then I was overwhelmed, and I was getting up in the morning and baking before I left for work, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. Now I'm on the train and people are smelling peach cobbler hot out of the oven. People on the train are giving me their phone number and saying, how do I get one of those? Because peach cobbler is really hard to find. Um, wow. So I had to get um, uh, a voicemail service so people could leave me messages. And then it started occurring to me, you know, I think I may have something here. I was a paralegal. I was steeped in corporate America working for these large New York law firms. I was miserable. I was facing a midlife crisis, and all of a sudden I saw my way out. And after one too many long lunch hours while I delivered and too many pies in the office kitchen, they let me go, and that was the happiest moment of my life. I said I'll never work for anyone again. Um, By hook or by crook, I'm going to make a success out of this. And so I started finding all the ways that my business wouldn't work, which is people think that as failures. They're not. They're business successes. You know that as a business mm-hmm. person, I started selling uh, pie by the slice for a dollar, sitting outside in um, bazaars and, and um, you know weekend things. And you can't be outdoors in 90-degree heat with blueberry pie or sweet potato pie. So I learned that doesn't work. <laughs> oh, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't work well. So I no longer do that. I would do wholesale, but then I was losing money, um, so I stopped doing wholesale. So I spent a couple of years fine-tuning the business and figuring out what's my niche, what's going to work for me, what's going to be successful. And like I said, I had no resources, no capital, no loans, nothing. So I didn't really have a lot of money, and I love cake books but I couldn't afford thirty-five, fifty, sixty-five dollars for a coffee table volume cake book from a famous cake maker. So I would go to Barnes and Noble or Borders Books, take the books off the shelves and sit on the floor and stare at cakes. Like, you know, my passion was so deep. I could sit for hours and look at one cake, but I would memorize every detail of the cake so someone ever asked me, I could recreate it from memory. And year in and year out, I would look at these books, but I felt a little lost because my audience wasn't, my customer base wasn't going to order $15,000 cake. Some of these cakes are $15,000, $16,000. My wow. customer getting married at the Plaza Hotel uh, where Eddie Murphy got married. They're not getting married at the Waldorf. And so... I needed cakes that appealed to the average person who had the average budget. Those were impossible to find. All of these big designer cake books were over the top. And I kept saying, when is somebody going to write 
a cakewalk for the average person, mm-hmm. especially the, the, the person of color who isn't having wasubi, wasabi-infused, you know, key lime cream. No, they want red velvet. They want carrot cake. They want something that's reflective of their culture. And so many years had passed, and we had the Internet, and I could find cake ideas off the Internet and um, communicate with other cake artists. And I must have been in business about 10 years at this point. And I bought my first house, and um, I had a, um, uh, what do you call it, a koi pond, and I wanted to mm-hmm. build a rock garden. And so I was in Barnes & Nobles looking at books on decks and rock gardens and koi ponds. And while I was in there, I said, let me see if anyone's written a new cake book yet. And I went to the cake shelf, and it was the same books that I had looked at 10 years ago. Nothing new. And standing in Barnes & Noble, I said, why has no one written an updated whatever it was I was looking for? And I, the spirit spoke to me and moved me and said, why don't you do it? And I went home from Barnes & Noble and got on my computer and started taking the cake. Originally, the concept was um, the ultimate cake guy for the ethnic bride. And I was appealing to not just the African-American community, but also the Hispanic community, the Latinas, the Oriental, um, the Native American, Hindu. I I do a lot of vegetarian cakes for people from Pakistan and and India, um, and they wanted Hindu symbols incorporated in their cakes. So I tried to really make it ethnic, but what I found was the average person that wasn't even getting married was buying my cake book. Because by then I had built such a reputation, people knew who Grandma's Secrets was. They know you're going to get something that not only looks beautiful but tastes delicious also. And they wanted my recipes. They wanted to, you know, actually walk around with my cake pictures in their arms. And so I republished the book um, after its original inception as just the ultimate cake guide. Uh, so if you're doing a baby shower, a bridal shower, this is a birthday cake. Well, maybe the Wedding cake pictures may not apply to you, but the recipes, um, putting ribbons on the cake, the different cake pans you can use, Mm -hmm. um, how to go to a baker and not get robbed, how to, even if it's a birthday cake and you're paying two, three hundred dollars for the cake, you have to have a contract with that baker, you have to leave a deposit, get your receipt, make sure that you've tasted the cake and had several samples, found out. You know, does this person have a good reputation? No matter what kind of cake it is, my book shows you how to find your baker, how to get a quality baker, get the recipes that you want, and get the cake of your dreams. Well, let's back up for a second and talk about uh, your roots are from, uh, you mentioned South Carolina, Carolina, and your grandmother was from South Carolina. Is it something in the DNA of people coming from the South and cooking that you cannot get anywhere else in this country? Um, I kind of think that it's a, um, it's a cultural thing that food is equated with love in the South. They call it Southern hospitality for a reason. When you go visit auntie and them in the South, they're cooking for days. In the north, they take you to a good restaurant. Am I wrong? 
Mm-hmm. If you live somewhere else and you come visit your family in Chicago or New York, big city, they're taking you to a fine dining establishment. When you go to your aunt and your grandmother and them in the south, they got the biscuits and the rolls and the grits and the cornbread. Their culture is you show someone you love them by cooking for them. And so that's how I was raised up, equating food with love. When I go to my grandmother's house, no matter what the problem was, she'd say, baby, come in the kitchen, get something to eat. And then you would sit in the kitchen and talk while you were munching on leftovers or whatever, and all problems got solved in the kitchen. And it's funny because these days that's the room in the house where when people come to visit me, we're in the kitchen. Even if I'm not cooking or baking, the kitchen is equated with this is the heart and soul of of the house, and wow. so I yeah that 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 was my legacy. Well, and when it comes to you no know, cooking itself, if if you talk about baking, um, I know Louisiana, the South is just full of uh, cooking, and that's part of the culture of cooking. But is it something when you bake a cake that if you do it at home? These are the basic ingredients that, I mean, these are the things that you really need to do. Should you set the eggs out and let it become room temperature? Uh, Can you give us some kind of bacon, you know, some myths and what the facts are? Well, one thing, and I'm not disrespecting anyone else's business, but when you run a commercial establishment, you have a huge overhead and you need to have a huge turnover. Of of your goods, and so they can't bake with the same ingredients that I can because I'm making one cake at a time. Mm-hmm. And so people say to me, "I hate buttercream," and I tell, "You've never tasted real buttercream because bakeries don't use buttercream. They have to buy industrial cans, fifty gallon drums, and it's Crisco shortening. And that's why when you taste a cake and you're out somewhere and it's a professional cake, you swallow it and it's like a greasy feeling going down your throat, but the sugar stays at the roof of your mouth, and you have to drink something after you had a piece of cake, milk, or water to help wash it down. They're not using butter because then that cake, when you walk into a bake shop, you don't know how many days old that cake is. You see them sitting on them carousels or whatever, or they bring a cake out from the back. You don't know when they made that. So if they use real butter, it's going to go rancid. So they have to use non-dairy. They're not using milk. They're not using eggs. They're using egg products, or they're using mm-hmm. cake mix. And so now you have this real pretty cake sitting in the you know restaurant window, twirling around, or in the bakery. But it's not going to taste like what your grandmother made because um, she's using sweet cream. She's using heavy cream and putting a little sugar and making it into whipped cream and then putting that on top of the cake. She's slicing the peaches. She's, you know, slicing apples. She's not using a canned puree. When you're commercially based, you have to do things differently. It's like working in a factory and turning out a 1,000 shirts a day as opposed to a person who custom makes and they have a small shop and it might take them a week to finish a suit. And so, you know, I tell people, you no longer have to choose between a homemade cake that looks like your auntie made it and a work of art from a cake artist that tastes like a sponge. At Grandma's Secrets, I offer you both. 
uh, you're going to get that homemade taste and a, a beautiful work of art. And it took me years to get to that point. I was doing cakes that tasted so delicious, but I couldn't break into the artistry arena, the real wedding cake arena, because I had to perfect my craft. And because I'm self-taught, it took a long time. I had gone to culinary school and learned certain things. And so with that book, I'm giving people an opportunity to have a Grandma Secrets cake. You could be in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and have a Grandma Secrets style cake. Wow. And uh, kind of tell us what is the uh, the style, your particular style, and your uniqueness regarding your recipes and your cakes. Well, one thing that people say to me all the time is, I can tell you love what you do because I pour the love into you know, everything I bake, and I promise people you'll feel the love with every bite. I am passionate about what I do. When I don't have cake orders, I just bake and give it away. Like I baked cupcakes last night and called people, oh, I have cupcakes, come get some. I live and breathe to bake. That's how you know you belong where you are. People come to me for business advice often, um, even outside of my show. And they say, you know, I really want to start my own business. And I say, what is it you love to do? Well, I'm not sure yet. Don't quit your day job. Because (laughs) you have to love. When I say love what you do, you have to go to sleep at night and dream about it. I can walk down the street and look at something and say, oh, that would make a cute cake, and study it. It could be a building. Mm -hmm. Spider-Man climbs up buildings. So I'm studying architecture because I'm going to build a cake one day that has Spider-Man crawling up the building so I better know, you know, the intricacies of what a building looks like. Um, So things like that. I think cake. Everything's in terms of, oh, I wonder how that ingredient would make my next cake taste. Mm -hmm. You have to have a passion because there's going to be times that you're so sick of what you do that you start crying. And you're like, why did I leave my secure job my weekly paycheck, my benefits, my yearly vacation to indulge in this insanity. And the question will be answered with, because I love what I do. So you have to be able to say that. Otherwise, you're not going to be successful. What drives success is passion. And so, you know, on my weekly radio show, we always emphasize that whoever my guests are say the same thing. You have to have a passion. That idea has to wake up in your brain and you go, you know what, that's an excellent idea. I think I'm just going to do for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. If not, you know what, fool around with it on the side. Keep working. Keep getting your paycheck. And, you know, still indulge in what it is you love to do because that's what makes life worth living. But you better be prepared to suffer for your art. There's a reason they call it a starving artist because there's going to be times you starve. There'll be times, for instance, during the recession, when the recession hit really badly, I lost my entire customer base at one time because wow. my clients were the the Goldman Sachs vice presidents and the um, brokers at Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers and Merrill Lynch. I was dealing with, you know, high-end quality cakes, children's parties, corporate events, the New York investment and banking um, business dropped off a cliff when the crisis hit. And then people who had ordinary, regular jobs didn't know 
when their company was going to go out of business, so they stopped throwing parties, and, you know, high-end cakes became a luxury item that no one wanted. And so I almost went under, and I watched a lot of other businesses, a lot of cake artists go out of business, bakeries. Who's buying a $200 cake and you don't know if you're going to have a paycheck next week? Wow. So kind of tell us about when you uh, – how have you recovered? Um, you Are you doing something different in your business? It was a lot of prayer, a lot of faith, um, holding on, making adjustments in my own lifestyle. You know, the customers that did come through, that money had to last. It, it, it was rough, but I couldn't imagine doing anything else. And so I knew I had to hold on. And it took a while, and then eventually, you know, the economy started to recover. There was hope and optimism, and people started coming back to me. Um, And I don't regret holding on. I I just can't imagine if I had let go. And um, that's what being in business is about. The successful people aren't the ones that always did well. The successful people are the ones that did poorly and hung in there. You know. Mm. Okay, just hold, uh, just weigh it out, and and uh, just make every dollar stretch. Yep, you have to hang in there. Yeah, it's like a marriage. You you don't have an argument with your spouse, and then you leave. You can be mad, you can be upset, you can be angry, you can be sad, but you stay because you made a commitment to make it work, and you figure out how to make it work. You might have a if you talk to anyone who's been married 25, 30, 40 years, those long marriages, and they'll tell you, you know, they loved each other, so they got through everything they had to get through. I love my cakes. So no matter what life throws at me, my cakes are, you know, what I live for just about. So I hang in there. There's, there's been some rough spots over 17 years. You can believe that. Wow. What, so your passion, your passion in cakes, kind of keep you going, and it put things in perspective. Uh, what when I'm looking at your book right now, I'm looking at the table of the contents of your book, and you, know, you start buying a cake. Tell us about. Uh, I'm just going to highlight just a couple of things. Uh, what should you look for in buying a cake? Taste. As, uh, if you're buying a twenty-five dollar cake, you just spend twenty-five dollars. But if you're buying a high-end cake, you want to taste. You want, you know, sometimes uh, someone might have a specialty. Like uh, my French vanilla is my million-dollar cake. And so if you sample several samples, well, you know, you wanted a lemon cake, but this cake artist, their vanilla is really out of this world. So because you've tasted, you end up not ordering the lemon cake, which which you might have wanted, but you like this cake artist, you like their designs, you like their prices, so you go with a different flavor. Um, So that's important. Do they have a passion for what they do, or are they just throwing something together? How is their customer service? Are they willing, if you have to change the time of your event, are they willing to accommodate you? If it starts raining, are they going to say, well, you need to come get this cake. I don't deliver in the rain. All those things are important. I've delivered so many cakes at midnight because that's what time the person needed it there. I've delivered in blizzards, harrowing, driving in a blizzard. But the mm-hmm. person didn't know when they planned their wedding that it was going to snow that day or whatever. Um, you know, I, I go above and beyond for my customers 
those kind of things are important in, in choosing a bake shop. Are their prices moderate? They might be a little more expensive than the bakery around the corner. Is there a reason why? Um, and then when everything's been done, you go with your gut. Are you comfortable building a relationship with this person? Uh, after your wedding, do you want them to do your cake for your baby shower? Do you want them to do your baby naming ceremony? Do you want them to do your child's first birthday and high school graduation? I have customers that have been with me for 15, 16, 17 years. And wow. I went from the engagement party, the bridal shower, to the wedding, to the children's birthdays. They use me for everything. So I build customer relations. You might think, oh, it's just a birthday cake. It might be the rest of your life. What should you do when you look at uh, choosing a uh, cake designer? Besides, you know, you go there and you taste it. Um, the only thing is a lot of the cake designers don't have, they're not really big Internet people. They might have something, you know, five pagers uh, out there, a couple of samples. When you walk into their office, what do you really need to look for? Should they have a license? Uh, what things you can do to verify that is safe? Yeah, some cake artists, um, you know, will have gone to the French Institute and Culinary Arts Institute and have this degree and that degree. Um, those people, you're going to spend thousands of dollars on a cake because you're paying for their education. Uh, my grandmother could outbake anybody, and she never went to school for. So, your most important thing is how does a cake taste? How is it going to hold up? Are they going to bake it a week before and freeze it and then deliver a cake that, you know, has that freezer taste to it because they're so busy? I take very few orders so I can give each order, you know, the most time possible that it deserves. So I'm not taking 10 cake orders for Saturday. I'll tell people, I'm sorry, I'm booked. They usually book up like a month in advance because after three cakes, maybe four tops, I can't take another order because I'm going to dedicate hours to each cake. Plus, make sure it's delivered to that person in a timely manner and it shows up looking beautiful and I may set up the cake table and help decorate. And so when I leave, that person is happy. Um, so those things are important. How big is their clientele? Um, if they have all these A-list clients and they're used to superstars, they're not going to have time for you. They might say, oh, this little piddling order, and then they may not put their full effort into it. Okay. And so... Yeah, I have a question here regarding the freezing cakes. And a lot of people, uh, newlyweds, will freeze their their top layer of their cake. So can you really do that? Because it's never I've never seen that come out to be successful in a year. I um I've had stories where people have called me and say I just ate that cake from last year and it was still delicious. So I'm delighted that they follow up with that, and you know I'm grateful that my cake still tastes good. But I don't mind because we went into this knowing you're going to take that top tier and freeze it. So if it doesn't come out good a year later, you know what? Your wedding cake was delicious. But to okay. take a week in advance and deliver it um, and it's got that frozen taste or whatever, to me is not fair to a bride. So let's say you're getting married Sunday. I'm baking your cake Friday and decorating it Saturday and delivering it to you Sunday. I'm not baking it a month before and freezing it. Okay, so what they need to do to – how can they freeze – like should they just go ahead and buy an, uh, a little small cake for the anniversary? 
or uh, is there a way that they can freeze out that top layer? Uh, you have to wrap it in saran wrap. Um, but what's funny is, and I've done hundreds of weddings over the years, most brides tend to call me for the anniversary because they didn't get to keep that top tier because when most people expect a wedding cake to look beautiful, but when they bite into my cake and taste it, they lose their minds. So, you know, it's a scramble, a mad scramble, and the bride will tell me that when they took their photos, that, you know, that photo op with you and your husband, your first slice of cake together, that that was the only piece of cake they got. People decimate the cake. They're in the back getting tin foil, arguing with the you know, waiting staff or whatever. Um, and so on many, many occasions people have said they didn't get to keep that top tier. So can I please make them an anniversary cake? There's never leftover cake when it's a grandma's secret cake. And if it is, it's because the parents took it and wrapped it up, and they're like, we're taking this home, and no one else can get any cake. And so yeah, they're, they're paying for it. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, oh, my God, this cake is so delicious. We want to keep some to take home. Um, so, But for the bride who's lucky enough to keep that top tier, you just wrap it in saran wrap and put it in the freezer, and it's good to go. Don't wrap it in tin foil because then, as the cake begins to um, soften, the frosting will stick to the tin foil. Where if it's saran wrap, you can actually pull it off while the cake is still frozen and not pull off the frosting with it. Okay, great. Uh, lastly, what would you like to leave us regarding your company and your website, and and uh, well, if we want to contact you. It's grandmasecrets.com, and that's one S in the middle, grandmasecrets.com. If you're in the New York area, peruse the website. Feel free to keep me in mind for your next special occasion. We deliver all throughout New York City. Your cake will get to your doorstep. You don't have to get on the train or take a cab and, and pick the cake up. Um if you live outside of New York but have friends and family, feel free to send them a gift. Uh, if you are a corporate owner, uh, you have a company, feel free to give gift certificates to your employees or to other business people, thanking them for doing business with you. Uh, brownies and cupcakes make delicious gifts. Um, feel free to buy the book, Taking the Cake by Regina McRae. You can buy it as an e-book and just download it to your iPad or your Kindle, or you can buy the physical copy and walk around with it. It's available at barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com. You can chime in and listen to me in September 4th. I'm on um, hiatus right now, but my show will begin new in September, Business Matters, where your small business matters. If you're in business and just want a business community to chat with or you're thinking about starting business and you need resources, uh, it's on also blogtalkradio.com forward slash grandma's secrets every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. on Blog Talk. Uh, I'm on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash grandma's Secrets, and that would be under a food and beverage. There's another grandma secret that's um, oh, some kind of business. Uh, but mine will, you know, two or three grandma secrets will come up. Mine is the one that says food and beverage and has a, a cake picture. And so again, that's grandma's. I'm sorry, grandmasecrets.com is the website. 
uh, with GrandmaSecret at Gmail to email for any further questions. Taking the cake is the fault. We're on Facebook, Grandma's Secret, and Blog Talk Radio, Grandma's Secret. So hope to hear Perfect. from you guys. No Sam, problem. Thank well, you so much. Thank you for coming on to the program, and uh, I know you're enjoying your jazz on Wednesday nights. And, yes. And, <laughs> and, and uh, you're surrounded by jazz. You are surrounded you. by jazz. Yes. I'll be well, you should take it and, and uh, uh, talk to him and make it into a show, and, and you don't have to pay the royalties on <laughs> I love <laughs> it. It's a live recording. I love it. <laughs> oh, Tim, you have a blessed day. Thank you so much. Same here. Take care. And thank you all for listening. Uh, you listen to the Core Business Show. Thank you, Regina. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. For a free quote on equipment leasing and financing, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. And fill out the information to receive your free quote. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to the core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. Thanks again for listening to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet.